A contractor was once meeting with the president of a large company for a very large project that he was bidding on. This is a very large project. It would have made uh, this contractor a lot of money if they were the ones that are able to secure the bid. And while he was meeting with the president of this company, at one point, the president of the company had to step out of the office for a little bit. And so the contractor's left there, he's sitting at a chair, and he's noticing the desk of this president, and he notices that on the desk there's some papers, and he kind of, he's a little bit curious, he knows he shouldn't be too snoopy, but he kind of looks, and he sees that it is the bid for his competitor. And so he is, he is tempted here to, he knows it's unethical for him to look at this, but he's tempted to take a look at what the competitor's uh, bid is, but he notices that right over the place where the numbers are, what the, the competitor's bid is, there's a Coke can sitting right there. And so he can't see what the, what the bid actually is. And of course he's tempted because he's thinking about this and realizing that uh, if he knew what the competitor's bid was, all he would have to do is to adjust his bid to be right under that and he could secure the, secure the deal, win the contract, and make as much money as possible. But that... that Coke can was sitting right there in his way. So he looks out and he sees the president. Is, he's got a little bit of time, not much. And he thinks to himself, well, I can just quick take the can up, take a peek, put it back down, and the president will never know what, what happened. So he realizes you know, he shouldn't be doing this, but he decides he's just going to give in to this. And he goes and he picks the can up. And right as he does that, Hundreds upon hundreds of little metal BBs just stream out from under the can, all over the desk, all over the floor, more than he could ever pick up before the president walks back in. And the president had set this up as a test of this man's integrity, his ethics, his honesty. He had taken the bottom out of the can and filled it with BBs and placed it there. There's sometimes when we give into temptation where it can be one momentary impulse, one momentary uh, decision we make that has huge consequences. And the BBs will never be put into the can after that. There are other times where we give in to temptation and it may not seem like a big deal with each little thing, but it's like a, a, a fly being slowly wrapped up in the, in the spider's web one strand at a time to where very quickly... There's no way of escaping this, this bondage that we're in because we give in to temptation. Last week, we looked at Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13, and we're going to be looking at that again, but in a different way. Last time we looked at it, and our focus was on Jesus Christ. And we needed to make that the primary focus to look at what Jesus was doing. Why did the Holy Spirit lead him out, knowing that he was going to be tempted by, by the devil? And we looked at what the temptations were, how Jesus resisted these temptations. And we saw that through this, that Jesus Christ was, was proven that He is the sinless Son of God. That these temptations, were it's somewhat like you have a company that builds a, a brand new design for a truck. And so they, they make the first model of this truck, and then they subject it to all these tests. They're doing these things, they're dropping things on it, they're all these things that, to an observer, they might think, are you trying to destroy this truck? 
say, no, we're not trying to destroy it. We're trying to prove that it can take it. And that was God's intent in having Jesus let out to prove that he could withstand this, that he is the sinless son of God. Satan had other motives. He wanted him to fail. God wanted to show that he would secede. So we looked at that last week, but also for us, we look at this passage, there's so many things that we can learn about this for our struggles with temptation. I don't know about you, but frankly, I can resist anything except temptation. (laughs) And so this is something we all have things we can learn from this. So we're going to read through this passage again. I hope you keep it open in front of you. And we're going to draw out several principles for our fight against the temptations that we face every day. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So we're going to draw out of this, we're going to draw out of this seven points. And there's many more things that could be said about temptation. We're going to draw seven from this. My contact lens is bothering me if you're wondering what's going on. Uh, And... From this, uh, seven points, there's more you could say about temptation. And there's more I could say about each of these seven points as well. So to make sure that uh, this doesn't go on forever, I want you to promise me something. Okay? If you promise me that you will keep thinking about these things. Promise me you'll keep thinking about this passage and about these points because there's more that you can draw out of these than we'll be able to say. So are you willing to promise me that? You'll keep thinking about this? Okay, you see some nodding heads? Okay. But if I'm not convinced, I'm going to have to preach longer, okay? So, yes, okay. We. The first point that we're going to draw out of this observation is to realize if you want to fight, this, uh, fight against temptation, because we should, okay? That's the first thing we should realize. You want to fight this fight because temptation kills. Sin kills. Sin destroys. It destroys lives. But more than that, it, it displeases the God that saved us. And we, we love God, and we want to live for Him. We want to please Him. We don't want to do things that, uh, that, that are rebellious to Him, that bring Him displeasure because our hearts are changed and we do love Him. But one thing we need to realize is that there are three 
powerful forces that are working against you, that want you to sin. The devil, the world, and the flesh. So one thing we need to realize is that the Scripture presents that there really is a devil. He is not just some symbolic force of evil in this world. There actually is a, a personal being that's called the devil or called Satan, called Lucifer, who is, is an angelic being that has rebelled against God. And because of his hatred for God, and he's taken many of uh, the fallen angels with him, they're now the demons, and we can't see them, but they're in this world and active, and they want you to sin. And the reason that they want to do that, it's not as much about you. Okay, they do hate you. They do despise you. They want to destroy your life. But in another sense, they don't care about you. But the truth is that God loves you. That God loves you, that God created you for him, to know him, to love him, uh, to, to live in joy and relationship with him. But sin disrupts that. And so if he can keep people from being forgiven, if he can keep even Christians... From, if he can keep them in their sin and from having a good relationship with God, he knows that, that that's a, a way for him to strike against God. So Satan is willing to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to get you fired from your job, to do everything he can to make you miserable, or even to make you, in the world's eyes, as successful as possible, if that'll keep you away from God and keep your relationship from him sour. Because he hates God. So realize there is this active force. But we also need to realize that he is not the only reason. And probably none of us will ever be personally tempted by the devil himself. But he has his multitudes of his his imps, his minions, his demons. But here's the thing. Even if Satan decided, hey, we're taking a break next two weeks. We're doing uh, demonic vacation. We're going to leave. We're going to stop tempting people for the next two weeks. That does not mean that temptation will be gone. Because there's still what Scripture calls the world and the flesh. So the world is just this system that's set up from everything from, from advertising to the common attitudes that people have uh, that we buy into as well if we're not careful. All these things that just the world is set up to lead us into sin. That you just want to watch TV and you just want to watch a sports program and there's just commercials and different things that, that take your mind a different direction. People at work, different attitudes. So there's the world system. That, that'll pull us into sin. And also our flesh. This means the, our sinful nature. That even as Christians, we still deal with this. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit as well. But we still have the remains of our sinful nature, that, the darkness of our heart that's trying to pull us down. And so that's, we have enough inside us to keep us tempted and keep us in sin, even if Satan took a holiday. So first we need to realize that we have these forces working against us. And it's going to be a continual battle. Don't think that just because you win one fight that Satan's going to say, oh, you got me, I'm gone forever, I'm done with you. Even with Jesus, he tried one thing and that didn't work, he tried something else. You resist Satan in one way, he's just going to try something else. It's kind of like a, like a woodpecker, that he's going against a tree, and you know they, they tap, 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 and if it's hard and they can't find some bugs, they just move over and try the next part. And Satan will be doing that. He'll try to find what's your weakness. Where can he get you? 
And even if he leaves, remember at the end it said Satan left and looked for an opportune time. That he'll come back. He's not going to give up. So we need to keep being vigilant. A second lesson we can learn from this is also that the devil knows to attack when you are the most vulnerable. It says here, Jesus was in the wilderness, verse 2, for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Because that's what happens when you don't eat for 40 days and you have a legitimate, real human body. Because Jesus became a human being. And then the devil tempts him with food. So he knows where Jesus is vulnerable, and he hits him with that weakness. The devil will do the same thing to you. Okay, do not expect the devil to fight fair. He's not looking for a fair fight. He's looking for whatever advantage that he can have, every opportunity that he can take. And so we need to be aware, especially at times when we are more susceptible to sin. And so some of that means taking a look at our lives, trying to notice when are the times that if, there's a, if there are specific sins that you fall into, whether it's, it's something, an action that you do or a sin of the heart, try to notice, are there patterns when that takes place? Some people have found that sometimes, you know, when they're hungry, like Jesus, it can cause them to do foolish things. I mean, if it's, if it's about, you know, gluttony or overindulging. Um, a, a week ago, I didn't confess this to you last week, but I succumbed to temptation in my home because my wife had all these Super Bowl snacks out. I thought, there's so many of these. And you know, you know, this comes from our joint paycheck. I have a right to these. And so I got into some of them, and knowing full well I shouldn't. And uh, I, got, I got sent to the store to replace uh, what I had eaten before the Super Bowl party. Okay. Then I made the mistake of going to Aldi's when I was very hungry. So, you know how it, you, you can imagine what the shopping cart was like after that. Oh, this looks good. This looks good. You know, Satan will hit us when, when we're hungry. I think another one, and maybe you've noticed this too, Satan will hit you when you're tired. Sometimes when we're tired, our resistance is just different. We're, we're out of it. Sometimes we get cranky. We uh, make foolish decisions. We're not thinking the right way. I think it was last, last Monday... Usually I'm pretty wiped out by Monday mornings. And my phone was going off with my alarm clock. And I realized after a while I wasn't turning it off. I realized I had taken the remote control to the TV. And I was pointing it at the alarm clock, trying to turn off my phone. And I was so out of it, I didn't realize what was going on. But you know, there's times too, we're tired, we make foolish decisions. We snap at people. Our, sometimes our bitterness. You know, or we give in to other sins. Sometimes it's when we're distressed, we're discouraged. If you're stressed out, just be aware of these things. Sometimes it's when you're coming off the mountaintop that you let your guard down. So the devil knows how to use these things. Even your body chemistry. You know, whether it's anything from, from our hormones, he knows what to hit us at certain ages. He knows how to use the wiring of our brains against us to cause addictions. So learn these things. Learn when you're the most vulnerable. Learn the patterns. Learn the triggers that Satan can use to set these things off. They say that addictive behavior 
that oftentimes it, it can be triggered by specific uh, places that you are, specific things that you're doing that you associate with the temptation. And when you give in to that temptation, a lot of times um, Satan, like I said, he knows how to use our body chemistry against us. It's documented that certain sins, when you give into it, release chemicals in your brain, dopamine, that make you, give you euphoria and say this is a good thing. Whether it's giving into uh, gambling, pornography, lots of different things. And Satan knows how to use that brain rewiring against you. And sometimes being in a different place, a different time of day, different routines can trigger these. So learn them. And learn when you need to be more on your guard. Learn when you need more accountability. And sometimes it might mean changing your routine so that you don't fall into the same thing, even with the same triggers, even with something that the, the thing you're doing might be innocent, but it, it, it tempts you because of the associations. A man once went to a, uh, to a country doctor and said to him, Doctor, I, my arm is broke. I broke my arm in two places. And the country doctor said to him, well, then stay out of them places. Also, for sins of attitude, you know, learn to tell yourself that, hey, I'm feeling this way because I'm tired, because of whatever these situations are. The more that you can be aware of that, the more you can counter Satan because he's trying to use these things against you. Another point I think we can draw from this is don't fantasize about the bait that Satan dangles in front of your eyes. Because remember, there's going to be, he's trying to get you with the hook. The hook is the actual sin, but he's putting some kind of bait on it to make it look really good. And that's what he did with Jesus. I mean, it says that he took him up and he showed him all the nations of the world in an instant. And basically said, all this can be yours. You can have all the glory. You can have all the authority here. You just just have to worship me just for a little bit. But think of what you can have. And you can have this without having to go to the cross. You can just instantly, I'll give you this. And he wanted Satan, or Satan wanted Jesus to be considering this offer. And the more that you spend time thinking about it, if you spend time fantasizing about it, playing that commercial in your mind, the more that you give Satan an opportunity to start to make that look good to you. And then the more there's a chance that you are going to give in to that. But when we saw in Scripture here, Jesus, he didn't spend time thinking about, let me consider this. Yeah, give me another look at those nations that I could have. No, immediately he responded with Scripture and, and said, no, I'm, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do it this way. He didn't spend time thinking about the offer. The devil wants you to focus on it, on the bait, and fantasize on it. He wants you to fixate on it until you get tunnel vision. You're thinking about that. I read a story about a, a policeman who was on duty, and it was after an ice storm. And his job, he had to keep people away from this fallen power line. And about a half inch of ice had been covering everything, including this one tree. And there was a fallen power line, and the power line had fallen right behind and under this, this, um, this, this small tree. And it was a kind of with a short stump and all these long branches that went out. And they were all covered with, with just thick layers of just really clear ice. 
And the power line was underneath this and was sending out these you know, uh, sparks and everything. And it was, the way it was reflecting off this tree, it was sending out just, just rainbows of light and just glistening. And the police officer, he's, he's in trance, he's looking at this, and he said that it, the thought that ran through his head is, how could anything so beautiful be so deadly? And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants you to fixate on, on the beautiful aspect of sin and to just push aside the part that if, if you take this, this will kill you. And they get tunnel vision as you look at this. And oftentimes that's how he gets us. So you may think it's innocent just to contemplate some of these things. You know, what, what would it be like to have that kind of money? You know, or just think how, how lovely and how, how wonderful is that person of the opposite sex? Not thinking to do anything, just want to think about. Like getting a, a, a mouse to smell and to think about how f- fresh and good smelling that cheese is in the mouse trap. Instead, we need to learn to, to bounce away our thoughts. Sometimes I even think of it like that, that it's like uh, my, my head is made of rubber and Satan is throwing these things. I just need to bounce it away. Like, nope, I'm not giving an audience. I'm not letting it enter. Just bounce it away. And we need to learn to bounce away our eyes at times because you may not be able to avoid the first glance, but you have a choice about the second glance, about the looks that come after that. That was King David's mistake. He, he saw Bathsheba bathing, and he kept looking. And where that led to was adultery and the murder of her husband and all kinds of terrible things. Benjamin Franklin once said, it's easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. So yeah, Satan, he wants to run a commercial in your mind, a very carefully crafted commercial and what I would beg of you is do not sell Satan advertising space in your mind. Another point. The devil will appeal to your pride and tell you to focus on your rights. He did that with Jesus. See, several times in here, he started his, his appeal by saying, if you are really the Son of God, you know, if you are who you say are, you're the Son of God? Well, if that's the case, well, you have certain rights. You have certain privileges, don't you? You should be able to do these things. You know, why should you have to live like these, these common people? You, you have the power to turn these stones to bread. You, know, you could show how special you are, jump off the temple, and, and God will have to be forced to rescue you. And this is your right. You're the Son of God. And He, he actually was. But Satan will use that against, those tactics against us as well. We see that in our world today. He wants people to focus on their rights, whether they're real rights or imagined rights. And to think, well, I deserve to have that. I deserve to, to, I deserve to feel that. I deserve to have that honor. And that's almost what every commercial on TV does to try and get you to buy their products. You, you deserve this. Yeah, I do, don't I? It's, it's a shame that I don't have that. I, I deserve this. I think this is also a way that Satan gets at us with some of the sins of 
jealousy, bitterness, rivalry, some of those internal heart sins that can be a lot more respectable because we can keep them inside and other people don't know about them. There's an ancient legend, this is just a legend, but of a time when Satan came across some, some imp demons who were trying to tempt a rather uh, a holy hermit who was living in the desert. And these, these lower demons were doing everything they could to get this, uh, this, this relatively godly hermit to sin. And every temptation they were throwing at him, this, this hermit was just rejecting and just casting off. And Satan was watching this, and he let it go on for a little bit, and then he was rubbing his chin, shook his head, and said, okay, okay, you, you step aside. Let me show you how it's done. What you're doing is way too crude, hitting with these big temptations. Just watch this. And he went up to this, this hermit, these ancient times, and just whispered in his ear, your brother has just been made the bishop of Alexandria one of the most important cities at the time. And suddenly this hermit that had been uh, just resisting temptation, his face changed. They made him? The, they gave him this honor? Him, not me? And Satan went back to his, his demons and said, see, that's how it's done. If he can get you to focus on your rights, your pride, what's good for you, keep you self-focused, he can get us. He'll get us with uh, the, the pride of life. In 1 John 2, 15-17, it says, Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And you see three different parts of temptation, sometimes called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, what we see and we want, and the, the pride of life, the boastful pride of life. Satan will come at you with each of these different tactics. So how do you counter this? We counter it with humility. With humility and submission to, to Christ's lordship, that he is Lord, that it's his rights that matter, not ours. We're willing to surrender our rights if God calls us to do that. Move away from a self-focus. We also need to reject self-pity. Because self-pity is just nothing else but thwarted pride. We feel bad about ourselves because I deserve to have that and I didn't get it. And we need to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. That's why it says in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If he was just concerned about his own rights, he wouldn't have come down here to die for you and me. We also, number five, need to learn to see and reject the lying promise behind every temptation. Behind every temptation, there is a lie to try and make it look good. A lie about what will be the effect, what will be the consequence. 
There's no bad consequence to this. It's all good for you. And I see this from verses 6 and 7. Satan is offering Jesus uh, the, the nations if you will worship him. We have to think, well, one, even if Satan did have the power to give this, would he? And even if Satan did, would this have been a lasting kingdom that Jesus could have received from Satan? But Satan was glad to have him believe this. And Satan's going to be glad to have you believe lies about his promises. You know, give in to temptation. This will be good for you. This won't hurt you. It'll be different for you. There's an old Indian legend. And many years ago, Indian youth, they would go away in solitude to prepare for manhood. And one Indian youth, uh, he left to go on this hike, and he hiked into a beautiful valley, and he had to go up on this, this mountain. And he made his way up in this snow-covered mountain, and he had with him, he had a, a buffalo hide shirt and a blanket. And after much hard work, he got up there, and he looked around and just saw the beautiful vistas, and he had made it up there. And then he heard something. There was a rattlesnake. And he looked and he saw the rattlesnake, and then the rattlesnake spoke to him. And said, please, I am about to die, said the snake. It's too cold for me up here and I'm freezing. There's no food and I'm starving. Please put me under your shirt and take me down into the valley. No, said the youth. He said, I- I've been warned about you and your kind. You are a rattlesnake and if I pick you up, you will bite and your bite will kill me. No, said the snake. I I will treat you differently. If you do this for me, you will be special to me and I I will not harm you, I promise. And so the youth, he resisted for a while, but this was a very persuasive snake and he looked very beautiful. And alas, the youth decided to trust him and tucked him under his shirt, carried him down into the valley and there he laid him, the snake into the grass. And suddenly the snake coiled up and rattled and left and bit him in the leg. But you promised, cried the youth. And the snake replied, you knew what I was when you picked me up. We need to realize the lying promises behind every temptation. Satan is good at making sin look good. He doesn't want to show you the drawbacks. And even Scripture says that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 So look, practice looking for the lies. This sin, I will give you everything you ever wanted. Sin says, there's no downsides to this. You need this to be happy. You can handle the consequences. Next, we need to learn to fight temptation with God's Word. This is a huge, major application we should get from this passage. Because this is what Jesus did every time. Okay, he's, He's God, but this is what He used to fight temptation from Satan. He relied on God's Word, what God had said. So Satan, in the temptation, was saying one thing, was making one promise, and he countered that with God's truth. Saying, well, God actually, He says this. And so if you want to be better at living for God and resisting temptation, you need to learn Scripture 
You need to fill your mind with Scripture and have it ready so that you can use those truths when that temptation hits. And it's not about saying these words as if it's some kind of magic spell. Okay, this is not a, it's not a spell book where, oh, this is the, counter, the attack I'm getting and what's the, uh, the counterattack and find the right... It, these are not spells. But what this is, it's about believing the truth of what God says and using that to reject the lie of Satan. I'm going to give you some examples. Okay, I, I'm not going to preach a message on all these. If you are able to jot some of these down, that's great. I'll put them online as well. But I went and picked out just a few of these verses that maybe you could look up. Maybe you want to write these down and, and have them. Maybe you have them on paper. Maybe you cut and paste them into your phone so that you have a file. But even more, I hope you have these in your heart. Some of these we've read already. 1 John 2, 15-17. About not loving the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. That finishes by saying, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. When Satan tempts you, say that. The world's passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When Satan tries to tell you that you have to give in, there's no way you can resist this. Well, God's Word says that I can. Through His power, I can resist this. I'm not trapped. There is a way of escape. With some sins, 1 Corinthians 6.20 might be a great one. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And sometimes just the straightforward commands, knowing those and repeating them. Book of Exodus 20, 1 through 17 gives the Ten Commandments. These are simple. You're tempted. All you have to say is, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Not contemplating this any further. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Philippians 2 5. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's a lot of sins that are going to be tough for you to do if you're running through your head. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Whether it's giving in to, uh, to, to lust, whether it's these internal heart sins of rivalry, if you're struggling with bitterness, you're uh, struggling with uh, someone else, if you keep running through your head, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That will help you. 2 Corinthians 11.14 Remind yourself, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. This may look good, but this is not. This is a lie. Galatians 5.16-24 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that passage talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. James 4.7 Submit yourselves therefore to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what Scripture tells us. He'll come back. You'll resist him again, but he will flee from you. Hebrews 4, 14-16. We've read this last week. It talks about Jesus being our high priest. That he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way but without sin. 
And it finishes by saying, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So I'm tempted. I'm going to Jesus. He knows what this is like. He is my high priest. And he says, I can come to him for help. Ephesians 6, 10-11. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So Christian, learn to use the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.17, that's why it calls it that this is your offensive weapon for you to fight with. You need to learn how to be armed. To be armed with God's truth. Learn to counter false promises with God's promise. Learn to counter Satan's lies with God's truth. And last, but absolutely critical, remember, always remember, that your acceptance before God will never be based on your righteousness. It will only and always be based on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because if you are trying to resist sin because you think, if I can clean up my act now, God will be happy with me. Hey, it's already too late for you. Okay, you've already given in. Your record is spoiled. My personal record is spoiled. Even if we could resist every sin for the rest of our lives, we already have this on our record. So the first thing you need to do if you're trying to get to heaven by your good works is you need to realize that's the wrong way. You need to realize that the only way that you could be saved is by one that resisted temptation for you. One that he lived a perfect life and is willing to offer you the credit for his life. And that he is willing, he was willing to take upon himself on the cross the punishment for your sin. And when you realize that, that changes everything. That gives you a different mindset because now you're not trying to do this in order to be saved but you're doing this out of love and gratitude for the one that already saved you. And knowing that you already stand secure in Him. Now you have Him in your life to help you to to live for Him, to please Him. If you are on guard duty on a castle wall, and you notice in the distance a massive army approaching, coming at you, the foolish thing for you to do would be to rush out, grab your sword, rush out on your own to take on that army. What you would do, what you should do, is immediately you go and inform your commanding officer about the danger that's coming. And then let him deal with the enemy with greater force than you could ever muster. And Christian, this is what you need to do. When you're being tempted, you don't take on Satan by yourself. You go to your commanding officer You go to the Lord, Jesus Christ, your high priest, who already won the fight and is available for you and bids you to come to him that you may receive grace and mercy to help in your time of need. And he will fight your battle for you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the great and amazing love you have for us. And while we were yet sinners, you died for us in our place. And so, we acknowledge that we will never stand before you in our own righteousness. No matter how many victories we may have against sin, those are not the victories that save us. 
It is your victory in our place that saves us. We thank you for this love. Help us to grow in love for you. To resist temptation because our love for you is greater than any lie that the devil could offer to us. In the name of our Savior we pray. Amen.